0: Over
1: the line! Hello and welcome to Overrated Movies, the podcast where we choose one overrated movie, one underrated movie, uh, similar in theme, tone, or any other way we see fit, and we discuss them. I'm Eric McClanahan.
0: I'm Ryan Oliver.
1: This is Octave Kozak. And this podcast is a part of the Playlist Podcast Network. You can find all our episodes and those of our other shows at theplaylist.net. So uh, we're here and we're in uh, the last leg of our uh, Halloween-themed, not necessarily horror-themed episodes, but, um, you know, Halloween-themed episodes where we're choosing movies specific to this time of year that fit in well for this time of year and that a lot of people are usually – it's on their mind, obviously, because of Halloween. So – Um, this, this round here is Octay's picks and he's got us a double feature here of, uh, zombie movies, uh, uh, zombie comedies, I guess you you could say is a, is a very direct connection for both of these. They come from different time periods. Of course, we got his underrated pick is the return of the living dead, the 1985 film from Dan O'Bannon. Uh, but we're going to start first with the overrated pick, for the most part, anyway. And uh, it is a bold choice, indeed, by Mr. Akte Ege Kozak. Um, a film I like quite a bit, uh, but I, I think there's good good arguments to be made that uh, that it is an overrated pick. And we'll just have to hand it off to Octa, um, uh Why did you choose Shaun of the Dead as your uh, overrated pick? Now, some of these are
0: limited. Whoa, whoa, whoa,
1: whoa, what was that? Um, I think it was Blue Monday. That was the original press out. am sorry, Purple Rain, no. Oh, Sign of the time.
2: definitely not. The Batman soundtrack. First of all, I like, I know that uh, for for uh, listeners who are kind of going through maybe the older episodes of this podcast, that it looks like recently I've been kind of shitting on like universally beloved <laughs> films, <laughs> just to look like a contrarian or something like that. But you know, but also most of the time these films uh, turn out to be kind of soft, uh, overrated, uh, films that I think are kind of held up to an, um, kind of a masterpiece standard that I think are good, uh, to almost great films that I, I think are, yeah, they're overrated in that sense. Uh, and Shaun of the Dead is kind of one of them. Um, I really like this movie. I really, I love the Cornetta trilogy, um, But I think uh, as a whole, I'm kind of in the minority when I say that uh, Shaun of the Dead, I feel like, is the least successful uh, of the three, Mm -hmm. which uh, the general consensus uh, from most uh, genre films and film buffs and film critics uh, seems to be that Shaun of the Dead is still the best one. Uh, it always comes up in, uh, lists of like the best of the Cornetta trilogy, the best of best, uh, horror comedies, best zombie comedies. And in a way, like it's, it's freshness in the way that it kind of mixed up, um, romantic, like British whimsical, romantic, whimsical, but like witty romantic comedy with, uh, zombie horror slash comedy. Uh, it does, it does a really good job of that. It does a really good job of, um, Kind of letting the characters, uh, you know, giving characters more depth than a usual uh, zombie flick, where they're kind of like pap- usually paper thin and they're just archetypes who are just looking to survive. So it does a better job at that. It, it it's a really fresh uh, film with a fresh approach to the genre. Uh, so it has all and the you know a lot of the gags, a lot of the lines are hilarious. It's, it's a really funny movie. Uh, so it it has a lot uh, going for it and. Um, my main complaint with it has always been that people kind of give it a free pass uh, when it comes to its uh kind of glaring tonal inconsistencies mm. and i think I think that could be chalked up to um uh this being Edgar Wright's first film and it has some of that like it's an ambitious film for his first film to 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 mix all these like very different genres together um. And I think uh, he did a really good job, but I think it definitely does suffer from that kind of like freshman slump uh, where I don't think he could really figure out how to mix all these tones together in a in an organic uh, way, uh, which he did perfectly with Hot Fuzz, which is still my favorite of the Cornetta trilogy. And uh, maybe later on we can uh, dive a little bit into... Um, uh, the World's End, because I feel like that movie is as underrated as um, Shaun of the Dead is overrated. Not a lot of people, uh, I think, really like that one as much. But yeah, I think the, the main problem is that, you know, the Canary Trilogy, if you look at, for example, The World's End, uh, I mean, all of them, um, him and Simon Pegg, who write these movies, they kind of mix a certain type of, uh, each one of these mixes a certain type of very specific British comedy genre with, you uh, kind of a very generic uh, uh, sci-fi action or horror uh, approach. Like the, the World's End is basically like one of those British comedies where uh, a bunch of uh, s- drunk city assholes kind of like go into a small town and wreck havoc uh, mixed with uh, kind of a uh, remake of Invasion mm-hmm. of the Body Snatchers. Mm-hmm. Hot Fuzz is a very kind of, it is a mix of like a very typical like small town comedy uh where crazy stuff happens uh like you know take your pick the first ones to come to mind is like maybe like calendar girls or the englishman who went up a mountain and all that you know those those kinds of like yeah. very benign uh small town um english small town comedies and that mixes it up with like balls to the wall insane like michael bay style action and does an amazing job with that. And Shaun of the Dead tries to mix this like very cutesy but witty style of English um, romantic comedies, uh, romantic comedy with like uh, kind of a zombie horror that's also very inspired by George Romero's um, style as well. And I think the main issues for me begin when he tries to implement the serious kind of maudlin george romero melodramatic zombie style in like he, he, he they kind of shoehorn that stuff into the movie mm. that kind of um you know i feel like that's a big tonal inconsistency that kind of like rubs me the wrong way turns me off uh, there's a there's specifically a couple of scenes that like that i think are very pro- problematic and also i think as far as pacing is concerned it's not as it doesn't move along with the, with the manic uh, style that we know from like Hot Fuzz and The World's End. I think it was just like the beginning throes of, uh, of, the, of the trilogy. And I think that's, that's what kind of makes it the weakest one, even though like basically I don't really understand why it's still hailed up as this kind of genre bending horror comedy classic when the other two films in the corner trilogy to me are, are um, kind of vastly superior so uh where do you guys want to pick up from there
1: why ryan
2: why don't um, we go to- yeah I, go I, ahead ryan
0: sure um i i don't think i can agree that it's the least successful i can i can say with absolute certainty it's like my least favorite but that's like saying which before movie is my least favorite exactly. like it's they're, really they're difficult to choose mm-hmm. that and and i could say it, it's my least favorite solely because of nitpicky reasons or personal preferences let's say like for um I uh, you know this is not a popular opinion but I'm not a big fan of zombie movies just in general I think mm. uh I think post Romero there are no zombie movies with the exception of 28 days later if you can call it a zombie movie mm-hmm. um but the ones that I do like post um post Romero are our comedies which I think says you know speaks volumes to how well worn that genre is because if it's you can't make it if it's not funny like you can't make it serious enough to be taken seriously I guess but I I still think this this movie is great and I do think that um, the the third act uh, it's mostly the third act you're talking about right with the tonal issues you know with the his mom dying and ed getting bit ed, uh, yeah bit. those
2: those are the two scenes that really rub me the wrong way it, oh. mo- yeah most mostly a third act but but also um there are some sections where the humor kind of lags and it gets a little little too self-serious which uh, in a way it's kind of like the 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 goal there because it is like that kind of uh, semi- Serious romantic comedy with uh, characters that have more depth than an American romantic comedy. So I, I can understand that. But um, I think the other two do a much better job of like shifting between those those genres in a more seamless way.
0: Uh, maybe. I think they all transition pretty well. Personally, mm-hmm. I think when this the, the, this one sort of like eases into the zombie movie, like you could see the seeds of it happening from the you know opening credit scene. Um, which is fantastic. Um, it's so good, but I, so good. But <laughs> I, I, think it, it eases very well. And I think that, um, you know, even as the action ramps up, um, kind of in my head, cause I know, I know you mentioned even before picking this episode that you had uh, like tonal issues with it. And I kind of kept that in mind cause I've always sort of remember that too. I was like, Oh, that's where you know, where it does get a little more serious, but uh, watching it again, um, I realize that it's like, you no, know, it's, it's to me, it still seems pretty consistent um, mm-hmm. through the rest of it. Like, I, I think that it, it balances even the third act when it gets more serious is still very, very comical. Um, yeah, yeah. I think I'm... it's still very comical.
1: Yeah. Uh, me too. But I, I will have to admit even on this, just this recent viewing, I'm, I, I didn't think I'd, I I didn't realize I'd be in the minority in this episode. This is my favorite of the Cornetto trilogy. Uh, hmm. Still still really, really like love. Hot Fuzz is a blast. I still, you know, am a little mixed on the world's end. Um, but I'll have to give that movie another shot sometime for sure. That but, one
0: does get better on repeated viewings. I've yeah, seen, yeah, it does. Like, Four or five times at this point. That's interesting. I, mean, I, I loved it when I
2: first saw it, but um, I like it more and more every time I watch it.
1: Right. I, Octa, I remember seeing it for the first time with you. And y- yeah, you, you liked it a lot more. But I, I need to come back to it for sure. And I would say that about all. These, it has the
2: best writing of the three, I would say. Well, so, like the most I, mature writing.
1: Mature, sure. And I, I think that like the Before series, which is a really fun kind of trilogy to, to bring up, uh, as Ryan did with this, is like you've seen them age and mature with even the narratives that they're they're – they're pursuing with each movie Mm -hmm. because as they've gotten older, there are different concerns. Um, But Shaun of the dead, maybe if if it's lacking in anything for me now in this recent viewing, it's just that it worked so well when I saw it at that age, when you were, I, I saw it as basically around like a little bit younger, but I was about the age of, of Sean's of Simon Pegg's character in the movie. So like, Uh, Just coming out of college, not quite where he was, where he's about to turn 30, but like, you know, approaching that where you you have to make big decisions. Like, what are you going to do with your life? You know, like those things. And it works very well as a coming of age movie as well for like a man child. You know, one of those uh, you could you could kind of wedge that genre or that genre is kind of wedged in there as well. And it works really well at that time when you're that age. Maybe now a little bit older. I might appreciate The World's End more because it ha- it does come at it from a much more mature, later-in-life uh, approach, which I might I just might appreciate more. I-, I I don't know. But beyond that, I still will say, man, the first, what, 45, 50 minutes of Shaun of the Dead I think is near, like, flawless. Like, I, I-, I have zero issues with it. I think the comedy still holds up. I think it also is very rewatchable. But also all the... Um, where Octa, you kind of cited, uh, or you get the you you had the sense that um, you saw some issues with Shaun of the Dead in that it feels like a first film. I kind of love the the first film feeling of it. Like Edgar Wright mm. ma- did a lot in this movie, where I was like, you can tell he's hungry. Like, yeah, he he had cut his teeth on Spaced, and that was sort of his. F- kind of training ground uh for on that tv series which is great if nobody has seen space uh they definitely should. yeah yeah definitely um and it's the same trio simon pegg nick frost edgar wright and uh, a lot well, of well, other people well, one, that one with...
2: little note that one little thing that bugs me a little bit was that his co-star in space <clears throat> which uh now i'm like standing up for her even though like i fucking forgot her name jessica stevenson uh, yes uh it's so good that it kind of I mean she has a small role in this as like kind of a uh, cute little cameo Simon's, yeah yeah Simon's like uh sorry Sean's doppelganger not doppelganger but like his like female version or something right uh but I think she's so good that I don't understand why they didn't cast her as the uh as the love interest
1: yeah it does seem like um I think that was sort of, for people that were in the know, or at least, I bet, like, British audiences I, I find her to at be the a, time.
2: She's, she's fine, but I find her to be a little bit bland, the the, the woman that they actually cast.
1: Yeah, and it would have, um, maybe they just, I, I, I'm sure there's information out there. I don't remember, but I bet at the time, like, British audiences were probably wondering what that was about. And maybe they just wanted to separate themselves and not have it feel too much like Spaced. I don't know, but... Um I will I will agree with that. I, I like the actress that that plays his girlfriend in in Shaun of the Dead. Um and I can't think of her name, sorry, but Kate um, Ashfield. Kate Ashfield. Thank you. Uh, I think she's fine. Uh but yeah, just even those moments where you get Jessica Stevens sh- Stevenson showing up kind of does it it's like a, if you like space at all and you're familiar with it, it's not just a cute like callback. It's like, oh, it does make you kind of long for that dynamic, that chemistry they have that's so makes that show work so well
2: like may, maybe they were like okay these two characters in space uh the whole point of the show is that they never hook up right they'll live together uh so maybe uh part of simon pegg and uh edward rice thinking was just like oh if, you know people associate these two actors with those characters now because it's their first feature hmm. uh maybe they thought that like you know maybe the fans wouldn't like it if the the, the two characters that they associate with those from space uh or the two actors uh, that maybe the audience wouldn't like it. I don't know. Uh, it's it's weird because she's she's a genuinely talented and funny person. I've seen her in a lot of other like BBC shows as well. Mm. And you know that that's just like little nitpick. Like that that kind of bugs me a little bit. And if she wasn't in the movie, I I guess it wouldn't have even like registered. But whenever I see her in the movie, I was just like, hey, she should have gotten that role.
1: You know? Yeah. You know, yeah. For sure. So oh, I do Octa- want to backtrack. Just to,
0: oh, sorry, I want to interrupt. Um, sorry, I just wanted to backtrack just a, a second. Even though I I stand by my my consensus that um, you know it's it's hard to take a modern zombie movie seriously, but I do truly believe, and and I think what makes Shaun of the Dead great is if this movie wasn't a comedy, I think it would still be an effective zombie movie. Yeah, like I agree. A few effective zombie movies, and that's why but- that I think that's why it's. it's so strong
2: so but here's strong. the here's the problem though it is a comedy the the, the dram- dramatic scenes are very effective a little too effective i guess in a way to to kind of uh at least in my case it really turns me off i mean let's get into the
1: yeah i want to hear the it.
2: two scenes that you mentioned a little bit uh and my issues with them the the scene with his uh father-in-law and the the you know the uh the relationship that the character arcs that develop between them. Uh, first of all, as far as the writing is concerned, the, the switch happens a little bit too fast, but you can understand that because the guy's about to die and, you know, it's like a last minute kind of thing. Uh, a couple of little hints at, like, why the father-in-law was so tough on him, like, could have been, or that daughter, or that he actually, like, cares for him. Could have been maybe peppered here, in a little bit here and there, but that's fine. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's the, the, that scene doesn't bug me as much. It's like, it just kind of, stops the uh the energy of the film kind of dead on its tracks it's a character moment but it's handled in such a dour and uh serious way in a way that it would belong in a in a George Romero movie and in a way it feels like they kind of he, he kind of Edward Wright kind of shot himself on the foot by making the scene almost too good if that makes any sense mm. but that that's a little bit of a shorter scene you move on and you're just like okay that was a little bit awkward but then the mother scene comes, and that's like that's such a huge misstep for me that it kind of ruins the rest of the film. Because even uh, the most like kind of dire and serious uh, Romero film, or or a very serious like zombie film, even the writers of a film like that would be like, "Hey, we're not gonna have the main character like blow his mother's head clean off, are we? Like, we're not gonna do that, right? That's a little bit too much." And this is like. This takes place in a uh, in a zombie comedy like this, and it's a uh, um, it's handled in such a heartbreaking and horrible way. Like I said, it's 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 incredibly effective. If it if it existed in a in a serious zombie movie, it'd be like one of the most traumatic traumatic scenes in the genre's history. But it takes place in a film where about like a guy who likes making gorilla noises and does pull my finger jokes. And a lot of, like, satirical elements and all that stuff. It's a, it's a flat-out comedy, and it's just... I don't know. The way that that moment... I mean, first of all, the concept itself should have never been executed in this film to begin with. Mm-hmm. But, and the way that he shoots it is just, like, way too effective and way too serious. It's just, like, it's traumatizing to, to think that, like... And the emotions in, in the scene, like, there's a little bit of an attempt at humor with the characters kind of breaking bottles and, like, holding it up to each other, which, like, really kind of makes it worse because it's a very very serious moment so maybe that was the one moment where comedy shouldn't have been but that moment shouldn't have even existed in the first place anyway i'm like i'm like really like kind of uh yeah that that scene always upsets me whenever i watch it and the rest of the movie is just like i don't laugh as much because i'm like that's that's some traumatic shit so i don't know what they were thinking there but but yeah, that that's that's the one scene that I could definitely like point to and say that yeah, the, the where the cracks are showing that we're kind of completely that kind of tonal shifts were done so much better in Hot Fuzz and um, the World's End.
1: The the thing I love about Shaun of the Dead though, where I'll I, I it's where I disagree a little bit with with your sentiment, even though I do think the movie loses oddly loses steam in the end, even though that's when everything ramps up in the way that Octay's talking about. It gets darker, it gets more. Real, I I do like that the stakes are raised by the uh, the mother scene. Actually, it it is traumatic, and it I actually think it's it's pretty well pulled off. Is but what allows it all to work, and for me, most of the elements of the movie to still work for me is that the way the script seeds and the visual style of the movie will like seed all these things beforehand and. Um, It might be a little clumsy, like when you know there's the scene when it's like halfway through the movie, when they're on their way to the Winchester pub, which is their big plan, you know, you know, it's like very clear. Oh, that's when the mother got bit. But they, they try to play it a little coy, like she's in the background and you have to look at her facial expressions to know that like something's wrong. You know, it's all very obvious if you're paying attention. But I like that. It doesn't just come out of nowhere. If that scene did just really just erupt out of nowhere, it would have, I I, I would feel I'd have the same complaint as, as Octay with it. But for me, it like, it kind of raises the stakes of the movie. And, uh, I don't know. I've, I've never had too much of a problem for it. I kind of like that. It's able to shift like that, um, in the way that like the best, like South Korean movies are able to just juggle all these different tones and genres Mm. together. I, I've <clears throat> always thought that's one of Edgar Wright's real gifts, and um, I could understand the argument. Maybe he does it better in the the sub, subsequent films, but I, I don't know, man. I think I think he had a really good grasp at it, like from the beginning, and uh, I think it's, it's there in the script. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I can I can definitely see that, and uh, I think he did a much better job of stuff like that. And uh, for example, Hot Fuzz, that uh, you feel for the the relationship between the the um, police chief and his son, played by uh, Nick Frost, but that also does a great job of like in there's a more organic job of inserting um, uh, humor and satire in it, like you know, he's he's so upset that his father is like this weird cult murderer, and you can see like the pain in his face. But then, the, but then the scene is like bookended with like uh, uh, a parody of the famous shooting in the air scene from Point Break. <laughs> uh, so I, I think I think he handles that stuff a little bit better with the with the characters and the, with the with the shifting of the tones. And when what, what, when you bring up the uh, the setup of the mother getting bitten. I feel like at least if the scene came out of nowhere, I wouldn't have had this like ongoing dread that we're gonna have to deal with this situation in this zombie comedy at some point. That somebody's gonna like, not just Sean, but maybe like some other character is gonna have to like kill his mother in front of him, and something much worse than that even happens. Anyway, like if it came out of nowhere, at least it would have been a moment that would just like come and pass. But since it's set up that way, and another. Another way that I don't like the way that it's set up is that it follows the cliche cliches of that that situation in a, in every zombie movie that we've ever seen. A character gets bitten, he or she hides it until they turn right. and become a much bigger problem. That's a, that's a very like ongoing cliche, and that's one of the Definitely. things that a lot of people. <clears throat> uh, I remember reading Roger Ebert's review that one of the <clears throat> things that he praised Twenty Eight Days Later so much is because the the sickness um, takes the rage takes hold in like what 28 seconds or something right and one of the one of the things that he loved about that was that it doesn't allow for that cliche to happen where someone hides you know being better like they're oh they're going to turn in a couple of hours or something like that and edgar wright like follows that cliche beat by beat and that's one of the zombie cliches that he doesn't do anything new or original with it it's just it's just set up and handled in a, in a very kind of straightforward zombie drama kind of way and that 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 that's why like since no humor is inserted into that situation into that subplot and also it's handled in this like incredibly traumatizing way i feel like it's just like it just didn't have uh a place in this
0: movie as effective as it was Mm -hmm. ryan how how do you feel man um (laughs) <laughs> That's a lot to lot to unpack. But I guess I, to play devil's advocate, granted, there's no scene as traumatic as the scene where Sean's mom dies. But I would also argue, and again, I love all three of these movies, but I could argue as much as I love Hot Fuzz and I've seen Hot Fuzz even more, the last 20 minutes of that movie is – it, like it's funny, but it's it's mostly a pretty run-of-the-mill shootout that mm. happens in the last twenty minutes of that movie, if if my memory serves me correctly. No, um, but it's but but so, it's
2: made hilarious because it's all so, like old townspeople who right. get like it's... kicked in the face and thrown, throwing like. You know, blades at each other and like pulling out the machine guns and stuff. That's the joke. I mean, it, it is shot and like edited like a, and even the the way it's shot and edited is just like so hyper beyond like anything Michael Bay has done, that the the sound design is just like it. Whenever I watch that movie in my like uh, surround system, it's just like it's it's just an assault on the senses. But it's done in a deliberate way to to like kind of mock that Michael Bay style. So even the style itself is like so over the top that it's comical. And I think in *Shaun of the Dead*, the serious scenes, when you get down to them, is, are handled in a much more straightforward way.
0: True, but I guess if the 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 like Eric Eric already mentioned about the seeds being sown, if the drama if the drama is sound, it can sort of break a cliche. The the cliche can be amended if you're dramatically involved in the situation that's happening. So I guess for mm-hmm. me, I am dramatically involved in this situation. So even though maybe he's not necessarily upending the cliches, it's still effective. I think what, yeah,
1: I think what really works about it as as well on top of that is that it is a cliche, but yet you don't think that this movie because it is this zombie comedy for the most part, like you've seen violence in the beginning uh, up until this point in this movie, like to the characters, some characters that you like, you know, you, you've you seen the brutal like violence in some glimpses, but you don't think it's really going to go there. And I still think that's what makes it effective is that it's like every time I'm like, wow, they really like go for it in this scene. It mm. It is a cliche. I, I, you have to acknowledge that, but that is also a part of what I feel like Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright have always been about, at least with their, with the Cornetto trilogy is playing in that, sandbox that of the movies from their youth that they love and that's what spaced is all about it it's it is a big part of their like um it's sort of a remix type of movie effect that they're 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 big on and, and octa i know you've always had sort of you know that sort of stuff has bothered you in other movies in the past so i can understand why it doesn't work for you uh as much but i don't know i i like that the movie goes there like it it's unexpected mm. it's unexpected it is it's, it's
2: unexpected and bold and you know i i like I said, I have to admit that it's it's executed excellently. Yeah, it, does. Uh, it seems to be working on you. Yeah, because you're traumatized and, and, by it. <laughs> yeah, and then maybe that's my problem, which is kind of a <laughs> weird, weird complaint. Like, you did too good of a job. Maybe if he fumbled it a little bit and made it, like, goofy because he wasn't as experienced as a director... Uh, like a lot of like first time directors would have been like, I would have just like, you know, I would have just maybe like let it go. I would have been like, ah, oh, that scene didn't work anyway. It's just like a little bump in the road, but um, maybe perhaps because the character of Sean is like so well written and you can identify with him. And when he gets to that point, it's just like, it's really tragic. And you start thinking of like what I would have done. And you start like, and I start like imagining my mother in that situation. And then like, it just and then it just go all goes like emotionally downhill for me from there. Like I can't, <laughs> It's, You're spent, it's hard for me to recover from. It. So, it's, yeah, it's it's. I, I understand that it's a weird complaint, but in 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 a way, I could also kind of blame him for like inserting that into a movie where it had into a kind of movie where it had like no business being in there to begin with. But mm. but I do understand what your what your point is too. Like it's a, you know, like for example, I'm the 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 more we talk about movies that we we've, we've done all three of us over the last uh however many years, like we we get our little like kind of uh designations as far as like what we like and don't like in movies and like I'm kind of I'm kinda of like the story guy and then um so like I'll 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 forgive an excellently written screenplay if the execution isn't perfect. Right. And Eric, Eric, you tend to be the guy who's just like you you love the kind of like bravery, like the freshness, originality, interesting touches. Mm-hmm. And if if a film is like that brave like there has been films that you really love that might not have been like um overall great but that that something that's like so original and daring in it like uh either visually or narratively uh that like attracts you so i can i can totally see why you would uh you would look into that kind of what i see is our total consistencies as as like a brave approach which which
1: actually like uh, also like really makes sense mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well um i don't why don't why don't we swing on over to our uh our overrated movie or our underrated movie i feel like we haven't even like dipped into it just getting stuck on the sean of the dead thing what do you guys say
0: sure, let's do it. <laughs> you did what you opened it you stupid morons you idiot what's the matter with you frank Evan, i always told you never to even go near those goddamn tanks what are we gonna do, Bert? I well, will tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna be sued by the Daryl Chemical Company. I'm gonna be investigated by the government. I might become very famous, Frank. I might even lose my business. I might even go to jail. God damn it! That's what I'm gonna do.
1: We, I feel like if we don't if we don't cut it off now, we're gonna be talking about Shaun of the Dead forever. Uh, because we're it's it, it almost feels like we're just starting. But I mean, um, the movie that that seems like worth get, getting into now is our underrated uh, pick, the Re- The Return of the Living Dead, because um, this is uh, this movie's kind of a blast it's 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 and it's funny itself but uh it's also worth seeking out because i I don't know if many people um there's just so much zombie content these days so so many zombie movies tv shows comics all that that like maybe a gem like this gets lost in the shuffle but um you know octa i don't want to assume too much what why is this uh why is this your underrated
2: well to me it's it's my underrated because I, i look at it as like the complete package when it comes to the um to the kind of zombie experience, maybe not the Romero style series zombie experience, but like that, that kind of goofy, cheesy uh, zombie slash comedy uh, experience. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's one of the first films. Uh, I can't even think of a film before that, that used the, uh, the, the meta angle. That's like very popular these days. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a, it's a living dead movie. Uh, it it even, have you know, living dead is in the title like night of the living dead. And it's a movie that, Uh, that's like a pseudo-sequel to Night of the Living Dead that actually acknowledges the existence of the movie and uh, kind of claims that the movie itself was like, Ah, uh, based on the true story of the uh, the army fighting against the zombies, and yeah, now now uh, we know where uh,
1: go- we know where Book of Shadows got its idea—the Blair, <laughs> the Blair Witch. Sequel. Oh yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> it's it's kind of the same same thing, huh. uh, and yeah. So so the, the the plot of it is like extremely simple. Uh, two guys working at like a, a medical warehouse, and one of the guys just like tells them that uh, tells the new guy that a night of the Living Dead actually happened, uh, and uh, the government covered it up. And sent one of the, the zombies in a in a tank, accidentally to that medical facility, and it's in the basement. And these two morons go down there and like re- accidentally release the gas. After after one of the one of the best jokes in the movie, where uh, the old guy talks about like this is grade A uh, U.S. military steel, it could never crack, and then just like kicks it and just like the gas just comes out, and uh, and the gas just turns them into the living dead, and it uh, somehow goes out into the world and. Uh, the gas turns into rain, and uh, just all the dead people come out of the ground, and wreak havoc around the cemetery and basically around the entire city. Eventually, uh, but yeah, it's it's I love that it's one of the first films that use that like meta angle. It doesn't get enough credit for that at all. Uh, it's a goofy incredible like almost borderline slapsticky movie it's it's mm. definitely has parody elements i mean the first screen you see is the first thing you see is <laughs> this happened all the names are real all the places are real it's so funny so, the, the way it's that-
1: worded yeah it's like they're really real or something like that it cracked me up yeah, right away yeah
2: yeah it doesn't even say like the the names have been changed or whatever no <laughs> this is real the names are real you know this actually happened. so it sets in the tone like from the very first like before you even see a frame of the film uh so it has an incredible deft handle on tone um written and directed by Dana Bannon who who wrote um who wrote alien uh yeah. and co-wrote uh total recall mm-hmm. uh who and has a don't forget Life Force. Oh, yeah. oh, yes. <laughs> there you go, R- R- Life force, which you can you can totally pinpoint the moments in Life Force that were obviously written by Diana Bannon. I mean, this guy <laughs> loves this guy loves genre filmmakers, filmmaking, yeah. just like in a way that I would compare him a little bit of like um, of like a Joe Dante that didn't get as much work. Maybe Definitely. like he it's obvious that he loves all this like goofy genre stuff and it's like it comes across in Return to the Living Dead. And the, the thing that I really love about it is that uh, as far as we talk about tone with these films, I think it's a film that's like that's hilarious in the way that it skewers the, uh, the, the zombie tropes of like, oh, you have to shoot the zombie in the head, and they think that's what you're supposed to do. But then the thing keeps coming, and they cut off the hand, and like they, they, you cut off the limbs, and the limbs start coming after you, like all these like really funny, inventive stuff like that. And um, it's a manic film, like has mm. has an incredibly manic pacing and manic the st- performances like it's as long as as even though it's a comedy that borderlines on parody i love the direction of the actors where they're just like they're seriously freaked out the whole time (laughs) so Uh, much screaming in this movie and and the yeah that's that's great and and but but the main reason that i like i love it so much is that it's it's funny and gruesome and kind of scary at the same time like the the scenes that are funny always have a have a bit of like griminess and gruesomeness and horrible stuff in it the scenes that are supposed to be horrible and even like dramatic even melodramatic there are some melodramatic touches in this film have some like cheesy goofiness in them so it's just like they're there it's all like mixed together in this kind of to me perfect package when it comes to um like kind of horror comedies uh you know this is my favorite horror comedy uh this is my favorite zombie film actually uh Ooh. because i um because, I, you know, I love Dawn of the Dead, but Dawn of the Dead is so good, it's my favorite horror film. Um, <laughs> the Romero Dawn of the Dead, not the fucking Zack Snyder one. Uh, which, I mean, the Zack Snyder one is actually really good, too. But, yeah. You know, it's yeah. not as great as the, the Romero original. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I just I love all that stuff. I love that it's the it doesn't get enough credit as the first film to show fast zombies yeah
1: dude that was what zombies i was gonna say in
2: this yeah like you know 28 days later you got the credit for that many many years later so it's, it doesn't get enough credit for like inventing all the stuff that we take for granted that we're almost like sick of in this like modern age because so many filmmakers have like played around with that meta angle and like let's make the zombies fast let's play with the zombie rules and let's let's play with shifting tones and i think return of the living dead was the first when it came to that and i think it's still the best so um
1: I don't know, let me open it up to you guys. Uh uh Eric, this is was this the first time you've seen this? Yeah, this is a first for me. This is one of those that <clears throat> maybe it was it's not like it wasn't a meme or anything, but I'd certainly seen the what is a what I would say is a famous scene anyway of like the initial slimy zombie comes out at like, and it's just screaming. Brains. Oh, the man. Yeah. Like
2: brains. Yeah.
1: That's I've seen that clip, you know, it, it'll be on top 10 lists or best zombie <clears throat> scenes or something. Like it's definitely come up before I was familiar with that, but um, yeah, had not actually seen this film uh, before. So uh, yeah. So it's, it's like a really good, like fun Halloween movie, good fun zombie yeah. movie to watch. Um, but both of these are really, I mean, I, in the end, like, you watch Shaun of the Dead or, or Return of the Living Dead, you're probably going to have a good time, you know, watching a movie. This, this is one
2: where you can completely turn off your brain and just enjoy it in a completely goofy way. Yeah. Because the, the characters have, like, really no depth. It's it's all just a matter of, like, oh, this crazy shit happens to them and, like, they try to survive, really.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, Ryan, what did you think?
0: uh this is i think this is the third time i've seen this movie um octay you showed this to me uh two oh, years yeah. ago we watched it with, with uh, together Squad,
2: which was my last year's pick we watched yeah it, yeah Master actually Squad we like double
0: featured back. it around yeah. halloween time two years ago um which i had a good time watching it uh with you and then uh actually i think last halloween i watched it uh with one of my best friends who was my roommate at the time um he also loves this movie about as much as you do um Watching it by myself this third time, it did almost nothing for me, <laughs> uh, truth <laughs> be told. <laughs> um, it, yeah, it's just like like – it is a blast of a movie and like it is a breezy, fun uh, movie, but I, I do – Overall, I don't uh and I think it's just again my lack of enjoyment for zombie movies. I do think that it's 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 funny, but also deathless, uh not deaf is in like tone deaf, but depth mm-hmm. no depth to it. Um mm. uh just to clarify. And um and I, I was thinking too, like, you know, we paired this with Shaun of the Dead in terms of being like zombie comedies or horror comedies. Um maybe it's the punk characters in the movie, but I mm. I, I I akin this seems like more like a midnight movie to me in the vein of like repo man or dead end drive-in yeah. Oh, yeah, but it doesn't sure. but it doesn't have any of the like really like the social commentary that i enjoy in both those movies i just mentioned like it's kind of like it's a fun ride but it doesn't really leave me with a whole lot it, it leaves a little bit more to be desired so like yeah it, 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 it is a fun movie yeah. but um yeah i guess um I think it's it is better if you watch it with a group of people as evidenced by kind of what I'm getting at. If you watch it with people it's a good Halloween time um but but for me it's it's I would not rank it as a classic personally. Yeah, it doesn't
2: have much of a, a social commentary that's for sure. I mean the whole point of it is to play around with uh genre tropes and uh the to stretch the genre out as much as it can go it sure. it definitely the thing that i love about it over sean the dead is that it's a it's a personal one it's 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 definitely has that midnight movie feel to it it's grimy it's it's grainy it's dark uh it's very cheesy in terms of like you know the old 80s stuff all the characters are like you know are, are so 80s stereotypes with the punk dude with the chains all over his face <laughs> and the, the one like uh nymphomaniac chick who just like you know loves taking her clothes off and stuff like that just there are so many like like juicy 80s stuff in this that that almost you could like show it to like some millennial now and say that like oh this is like some 80s parody that was made like last year or something and they would probably believe it
0: the main punk Uh, guy to be fair is my favorite character of the movie i love (laughs) i love the scene where he's just like he's like man he's like yeah he's all pissed off he's like this is a way of life you know he's like this is serious (laughs) (laughs) he's like you guys don't
2: understand me you know
0: Yeah, you're like nobody takes me seriously, (laughs) and the naked girl
2: is just like mounting him and stuff. It's just, it really goes for it. It goes, it goes over the top at like every, uh, like every turn, and that's what I like love about it. It's like it almost goes back to what Eric said about Shaun of the Dead. It's just like I love the ambition uh, in the film to like constantly take chances, minute after minute. And uh, yeah, the the social commentary is not really there. Uh, There's some satire about like the inefficiency or the ruthlessness of the U S government and the army and all that stuff. Uh, but apart from that, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, it's pretty straightforward. And it, this is the kind of film that I love, but like, if, if people that I know who aren't like as weird as I am, when it comes to movies like this, who, who I think wouldn't would like look for a more mainstream appeal than a zombie comedy, I would recommend Shaun of the Dead over, um, Return of the Living Dead. Uh, to to anybody that I don't really know personally, that I know their tastes really Mm. well because I don't want them to come back and be like what the fuck is this? Like this is really weird and everybody's screaming and it's fucking gross and violent that got all to the me
0: time. too personally i that was what i was going to bring up too is just the, the constant screaming in this movie like i get <laughs> i totally get that it's you know poking fun at the trope like the horror movie trope of all the screaming but it takes it to such a level to where it's like now it's just shrill <laughs> and like bothersome well, i think
2: i think <laughs> dan Abandon's approach uh, was actually kind of the opposite of that i think he it looks like uh he looked at all these zombies and said that like if this was happening in real life people would be just freaked the fuck out the whole time and uh i think i think he looked i think i remember an an interview with him as well like i don't don't quote me on that because i'm not exactly sure but uh i think i remember him saying something along the lines of like uh you know people wouldn't be this calm like you watched night of the living dead which is the main inspiration for this film once they're in the house yes there are tensions there's all this stuff but like if in reality you were trying to grapple with the idea like that the dead have come back to life and are not coming after you to eat you, like I think you would be as freaked out as that. But uh, in a, in a narrative sense, I can see why it could be annoying if you're not like tapped into that idea.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I think. Uh... I don't know. I I'm I'm kind of swinging back and forth because I I have to agree with what Ryan's saying. Like this movie works really well in a group setting. I think what worked for it for me as a solo watch today, I would have much rather watched it with people. I think I would have enjoyed it even more. But um, is I just hadn't seen it before, so I think it was li- I was lifted by like the parts that I did enjoy. And yeah, it is. It can be shrill with the yelling, but there's just something about those. Old men actors just like screaming most of the movie that like as they go through the process, you know, there's there's some interesting what felt like to me anyway, like fresh angles even still today, like with with the approach to the zombies, like they can talk in this movie. So there's a scene where they're actually communicating with a zombie and then there's these goofy moments where. Zombies, yes. will ki- they'll kill whatever new ambulance or cop drivers show send up. Send more paramedics. <laughs> they just get on the walkie-talkie and say, send more. Yeah, like that beyond it just being goofy and funny on a sort of visceral level. Like I-, I was like, oh, that's kind of inventive. Like they get into this whole idea that's like a dark idea, but it's not handled that way of like these zombies are coming back to the dead. They're coming back, but they're miserable. They're in so much pain that the only way to cure themselves of the pain, it's like a drug habit is... That um, and this might be one of the earlier examples of like zombies being connected with um like a drug habit, and if you think about it in that way, because I feel like yeah. that's something that's used as a metaphor a lot these days, uh, in, with all the zombie stuff that's out there. So it's it's kind of new in that way, but also I don't know that they they just play around with it in that way is like it's fun, but it also makes for these crazy scenes where they're talking to half of a corpse that's that's like telling them like. The pain of dying. We have to choose. Like I don't know. There's something the, about the spinal, that idea. The
2: severed spinal cord is like banging on the table the whole time. Like, right? There's there's a lot of like clever and the the the, the makeup uh, and the animatronics in the really film are, are are great. Right. And and as far as like the aesthetic approach goes, like what I really love about it is that uh, yes, it does have the fast zombies uh, that you know predates uh, Twenty Eight Days Later, but not all the zombies are fast. Only the only the people. I feel like the rules go that. Like only the people who have died recently, who right. still have their like muscles, right. can like run around. But like if you're just if only like a skeleton left is left of your body, then they move slower. Or if it's like an older dead dead person coming out of the grave, they move like the classic zombies because they you know their their muscles are all gone. They're like the every, the way that each zombie moves is very specific to, you know, to, to that, that zombie, right. which doesn't really happen a lot in zombie movies. I can't even think of another example where like, uh, in a, in a movie, uh, like zombie universe, um, where some zombies walk fast, some walk, zombies are slow. It's usually pretty like un- uniform in that sense. And, um, and, you know, like the tar man that you mentioned, right? like all all his limbs are obviously like off.
1: That's a great performance. So he's just like kind of like
2: limping around. Like, I don't know who's in that. Right. Apparently someone who's like insanely skinny is in right. that costume. Well, you can brilliant. tell that
1: actor, that stunt person, whoever it is in it, that like they took it really seriously and thought about it because the way that that is, they refer to it as the tar man. Is that, that what you said, Octay? The yeah, man. the tar man. Right. Yeah. It, like that's just like the this, way it his wiggles, famous, like, name. right. It's the way it like wiggles and wobbles around as it's trying to, you know, stalk someone that, I was like actually pretty impressed by that. Like that was, you could tell there was thought put into it by the actor. Like that actor got on set and was like ready for that scene. And that at least that's how it comes off. So like, I appreciated like things like that, um, uh, on this first watch for sure. Um, because in a way that like these elements that, uh, that we're just bringing up here of like, it's things that like reward you if you're just paying attention because the movie won't outright state it. Um, so there's like a level of trust in the audience for this movie, you know, in, in some ways you could argue. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm wondering about what you guys think of the whole sort of, uh, the element of the movie in the beginning and the end of this character that's introduced kind of out of nowhere, this military guy, yeah. you, get, you get like a five minute glimpse of glimpse of his like home life and He's waiting for this And you're like, what the thing? fuck
2: does that have to do with the
1: rest to- of the movie? <laughs> totally. I And now while you, of course, get the payoff at the end, I, I don't know. Like, Octe, I'd want to ask you first is like, how do, how do you think about that as like the script writer? You know, the person that's big on story, because to me, that felt like a little awkward. I'm not going to dock the movie that much, but it is sort of like, oh, yeah, I'd forgotten all about that. and Not in that satisfying like, oh, yeah, they seeded it like they did in the things I, I mentioned, like Shaun of the Dead, like kind of puts little glimpses of things before they happen later on or they pay off this just felt like oh yeah like i don't know there's a bit of an awkward um difference for me with it
2: i think uh, i think it was necessary uh, as far as like screenwriting is concerned i mean you could have he could have done it in a way that's just like that character is just introduced a little more gracefully <laughs> um, yeah uh, that character just introduced at the end like you don't see anything it's a nice way of just like moving away from like the the uh the chaos that you just saw because mm-hmm. i think it, it, the scene comes up right after the opening credits which is like you know you're just like bombarded with that like great 80s uh synth score and the, uh all the like the dead are coming to life and all this crazy shit happening mm-hmm. and then like to this like serene scene of this like military guy coming home and like bickering with his wife and all that stuff and i think i think it's short enough to not like make uh, it's short enough and it's to the point. And I think that's the best way to go around it. And I think it does definitely, definitely kind of foreshadows that's that this is way beyond. I think the main reason that scene exists actually is to foreshadow and to show the audience that this is way beyond these two idiots that just kicked the canister. Right. Like shit's about to go down. Like the military is involved because it's not, it's not a completely disassociated scene because they, the guy mentions that, Oh, we haven't found them yet. You know, like and then right. you kinda get the feeling that he's talking about the the canisters and stuff like that. And like if this like military like old military guy who might be like a um I don't want to say general or like something a little bit smaller than that, his whole like job twenty four seven is to to get those canisters back right. for the last like 15, 20 years or whatever. Like you get the idea that like within this like short scene you you immediately get the idea that like oh shit, this is like way more serious than what these two idiots thought was was going on uh so it sets that up and it's also sets up this character because like at the end of the film when uh finally they're like okay the cops are not going to help us the- because they're all eaten anyway uh the city is gone uh because these these creatures just like multiply by like thousands and like minutes and um and they're like okay we have to finally call the military and then it as soon as it cuts to that guy answering the phone you're like oh shit <laughs> Cause he, and if you didn't have that foreshadowing, short foreshadowing scene at the beginning, I don't think it would have had that effect. But then the second that guy picks up the phone, you're like, yeah, this this is not gonna. And and also another another thing I want to mention is that the ending of this film is like ballsy as hell. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it is it's it's fucking grim and like kind of fucked up what happens. And it's fucked uh, up,
0: it's, but also like if it's it it's it sort of fits the rest of the movie. Uh, I would uh, you know to a degree it. I, I it kind of comes out of nowhere, but it's like but the movie has sort of a a freewheeling we don't take a whole lot of this seriously that that yeah. why not why it's sort of like a like a fuck it why not it
2: we're gonna end the movie <laughs> like this you know kind yeah. of thing uh which is which I find to be uh brilliant, but yeah, I think I think you guys have like stepped on a uh on a good point that uh I think it makes sense that if you got together with a bunch of like genre fiends. And uh, your friends who enjoy these types of like midnight movies and kind of goofy horror stuff like that. I think this is the king of that kind of like get together, get high, get drunk, like watch this late at night with a bunch of your buddies. Uh, I think even like for example ryan even if you like someone said like oh let's watch it again it's gonna be like your fourth time and you're like uh i have a feeling that this is the kind of movie where like if you got together with a bunch of friends and had a blast like you would probably just enjoy it a hell of a lot more even if you were watching it Great. for the fourth time
0: i agree with that if, if it was a group of people and you know that i would absolutely do that it's like i said it's not a movie you know it's not a Texas Chainsaw or Nightmare on Elm Street to me where it's like, I got to watch this every Halloween mm-hmm. sort of thing. But if a group of people was like, hey, we're going to watch it, I, you know, I wouldn't oppose. It's not like it's, you know, a uh, Ouija board movie or something, you know, I'm <laughs> yeah. trying to think like a bad <laughs> horror movie. You know, it's 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 a perfectly fine movie. Uh, you know, it's it's enjoyable. Uh, yeah, it just, so- it just doesn't do it. It doesn't do it for me um, on the level that that it, that it does for you and, and a lot of people um, I know who love this movie.
2: Yeah, so, so that's why I, I want, like, it's interesting to bring up, like, why isn't this, like, a staple of midnight screenings around Halloween or anywhere? Like, it's not as, it doesn't really get brought up. Like, I feel like this would be a perfect, like, kind of revival thing every year or so uh, for horror fiends and uh, Halloween people. Like, like imagine a midnight screening of this on, like, Halloween, and it doesn't, it's not as beloved as a lot of other um Films like this. I don't know. Why do you think that is?
1: Yeah, I don't, that's a good question. I mean, sometimes it's just a movie can't catch an audience like other ones do. It, maybe there's a lot of it that we just who knows why that happens sometimes. I mean, think about it in another way is <clears throat> Ryan just brought up two great examples of uh, horror films that I also include as like all time greats. You know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Nightmare on Elm Street, like those those caught on, but there are only – especially the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that's also a movie you got to kind of think about if you're going to present it to a group of friends to watch. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You, you, you know, I'm sure we've all done this. You're like, well, is this the right group? Does Would everybody really want to go through something this intense and serious? Um, whereas uh, Return of the Living Dead is like maybe a little bit easier to sell people on because of the goofy, funnier elements. But yet why – you know, who knows maybe because there's just so many zombie movies. And also, I don't know, maybe it's worth bringing up that Dan O'Banion has always kind of had bad luck, had bad luck in his career. He, he died, uh, I think at the age of like 63 kind of died young. And, um, uh, there's a great book that I'm blanking on the name right now, but it's about seventies horror. Um, and John Carpenter and Dan O'Banion feature a lot in this book. Uh, I'll have to look it Mm -hmm. up, but, uh, Dan Abnett. He was also
0: integral to you know uh, trying to get uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky's Dune movie made, uh, and ultimately you know that ultimately never got made. That's right. Um, So just another another streak of bad luck for him. The other uh, thing, sorry to cut you off, but I think the other thing that um, hurts, I maybe hurts this movie in like the cultural conversation, at least the cultural conversation surrounding horror movies, is that it's caught in this middle ground where it's like it's a perfectly fun goofy movie as we've discussed it's not like a great horror movie and it doesn't get mentioned in the vein as the other two movies mentioned or the exorcist poltergeist what have you but it's not a bad movie in the way that it's like a so bad it's good movie that you have to watch it like like uh, yeah. things or no you know, no the, something the goofiness like is like, deliberate
2: like sometimes yeah, exactly people bring up exactly. bring up films like that that say like oh man this movie's so like and then, and right. then you watch it and you're like no, this was, like, done deliberately. It's funny because it was meant to be funny. I agree,
0: I agree. but some people don't always pick up on that necessarily, or maybe yeah. not necessarily, like, you know, film-savvy people. I'm not, like, speaking down to anybody, but, like, there are those movies that are, like, it that do raise questions to be like, wait, are they being deliberately funny, or is this just, like, really terrible? And sometimes it's hard for certain people to distinguish that difference. And so yeah. maybe, just maybe, that is part of the reason I, like, we're we're all in agreement. That is a hundred percent deliberate. This movie is a the full blown horror comedy. But some people, maybe you know, they they hear Living Dead in the title, and you know, and it's there's that automatic connection to Romero's trilogy. And then you watch it, maybe un, not knowing what you're getting into, and then you're like, well, this is dumb. Um, you know, somebody w- didn't know?
2: I could that. see that. Which yeah. which which is the for for people who love this movie, which that's the reaction that fans of this movie have to the sequel (laughs) yeah they made
0: like four of these things i had no idea there's (laughs) five there's like five
2: five or six in total uh the last three have been made like very quick on the cheap like very quickly for like the sci-fi channel and i think they were just like meant to be they were just shot to be like generic zombie movies that just got the title uh just to like for like you know whoever wants to have that like franchise connection or whatever mm-hmm. so i would just dump all of those immediately uh yes. the official the official first three movies uh return to living dead part 2 is um from the director of meatballs part 2 <laughs> oh, so you can like kind of uh, guess like how horrible it is it goes full on slapstick parody like mm. it's a it's it's like a bad it's like one of the bad scary movie movies which is saying a lot yeah yeah that's it's pretty like, rough. it's like scary movie five i mean it just goes full on like there's like all these gags with the zombies like like there's this like like for example just one example the movie's like full of these like terrible jokes but like uh an old lady zombie comes out of the grave and like can't see straight so she has to look for her glasses oh, and God. then like she puts on her glasses and she's like ah now i can see like it's full of shitty jokes like that yikes it's Yo, it's brutal. it's it's terrible, and the way that the zombies are designed, that they have like these big googly cartoon eyes, so it's it's a cartoon. It's like meant to be a cartoon, and it's, and it's horrible. The third one feels like it was made by Brian Usna, who's like a very like kind of cheesy, grim, like overtly grim, uh, like uh, borderline emo director of like uh of, like horror films. Um, and his feels more like. He just made this like zombie movie about this guy who uh, this guy's uh, girlfriend dies and he has to like he brings her back using the zombie technology or whatever. And of course, the girl starts like eating people. Uh, I feel like he just made that movie that has like no connection to Return of the Living Dead. And then the studio just like slapped like, oh, this is Return of the Living Dead 3. So, uh, yeah, it's like this. This has like six movies with there are six movies within that franchise except for the first and great one, like the rest of her, of them are shit, like stay as far away as you can.
0: <laughs> I, I don't plan on going near them anytime soon, but for people who do want to catch up with the original movie, uh, as this episode will likely drop the day before Halloween, mm-hmm. uh, Voodoo, the streaming service, yeah. uh, just launched their uh, Movies on Us program, and it is streaming for free on there. That's right how now. I watched so, it, actually. yeah, Is it? Yep, that's how I watched it, too. I, so, and so, so, uh, Romero's I, I Day the, of the Dead is also oh, streaming
2: Oh, nice. For free, Which is so. weird, because they both came out the same year, and they couldn't be more no. uh, <laughs> different tonally. Day of the Dead is grim. Yeah, like, yeah. there's, like, there's nearly no humor in that movie. There's a couple of like funny gross out gags, but man is that movie depressing and it's 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 good. Like I I think that's that's one of the out of the the original Romero trilogy. Forget about all the other shitty movies he made recently <laughs> in the dead movies or whatever. Um Land of the Dead is okay. I'll I'll give it a little bit of credit. Yeah. Uh but yeah, Dead of the Dead to me out of that trilogy is like the, the most underrated one. It doesn't get brought up as much because it's a it's a truly like unsettling experience. It's not a it's not a zombie you movie you want to pop in at like a midnight screening with your buddies and stuff. Right. It's a, but it's a, it's a good it's a good it's a good effective zombie movie. Uh, and it's, it's so weird that they came out at the same year when like Romero's uh, kind of turn at the uh, the series zombie movie was ending, and then this like goofy parody zombie comedy stuff, meta zombie comedy stuff was beginning. So it's like a weird like transition. Nineteen eighty five. Yeah. like this weird transition there
1: yeah totally and it's it's shocking that like you know we complain about i think we've all have and critics do often of like how everything is franchised these days but it's like man this has been going on for a long time i mean if if a series like return of the living dead has spawned five six other titles related to it like what that's that's weird you know but like there's sequels to all kinds of like low box office return horror movies like that. It's uh it's it's just another example, you well, know, well, like well, thing things is, don't change that much. Yeah. No, yeah, they're, the thing, just, the, they're just yeah. not
0: spending hundred and fifty million dollars. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, exactly. That's what return I was to bring up, yeah. for <laughs> A little know? more uh yeah, yeah, they're a little it's, tighter it's with
1: the, the 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 money, yeah, for sure. And well, you know, it kind of makes it seem like it's a lot less harmless. Uh uh or it's more harmless yeah, I mean, that it's way. Just, you know? It's been happening
2: it's been happening with horror since the beginning of the right. genre in the film i mean if you go all the way back to the universal monsters frankenstein meets the wolfman wolfman <laughs> fucks the invisible man or whatever you know it's oh, like I missed that one there's there's yeah that, that's that's a fun one uh, <laughs> where the wolfman is just in the, in bed by himself because you know the invisible man is invisible <laughs> thanks uh, for explaining but...
0: <laughs> lax that, meets been, the wolfman that...
1: in a star wars story <laughs> yeah exactly <There> <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's anyway.
2: that's been going on in horror for forever, and totally. uh it's just that like other genres and bigger franchises have kind of picked up on that like uh, you know franchise movie universe seven eight nine fucking sequels thing. Um, totally. But yeah, that's been going on for a long long time. Even movies that haven't been like. Really that much that successful that aren't really that good. Like Sleepaway Camp has like what five sequels? Yeah, some
1: like that. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. You
2: know, so it's crazy. Like a lot of movies that a lot of people don't even know about have like seven, eight sequels to them. So it's hard the horror world is weird that way for sure. True. How
0: many but fucking yeah. Hellraiser movies are there? Oh
2: man. This oh like this, man. so many. Yeah. <laughs> but <And> anyway. <laughs> when, Hellraiser yeah. one was not even like that big of a hit. So it's like you go back to those and you're just like did it even need to spawn any sequels? But of course, they can be done on the cheap. So it's just like it, just keeps going like that. But uh, but yeah, I would say like you know on on Halloween, you know uh, if you're listening to this right before Halloween, like I would highly recommend, especially if you can stream it for free on Vudu. Get together with a bunch of friends, uh, get drunk and just have a blast with this. Like this is a, this is a really, really fun movie.
1: I will, I will really quickly, I don't want to rain on the parade of the free availability on Vudu, but I will say uh, the app I tried to stream it from, from my, like uh, from my iPhone froze up after about 10 minutes. And uh, the watching it on the website, I had to like three or four different times. I basically had to turn it to the standard definition. So maybe that's just my internet signal, but um, most pretty much any other streaming app I use or stuff from my computer works a lot better. So, yeah, it might you just be rent your it. connection. It might be my connection. Who you, knows? But also, it might be because just, I
2: you can just rent it on other streaming, or you can buy the gorgeous um, Screen, uh, Factory. Screen Factory uh, transfer, which looks amazing with awesome. the new 2K uh, transfer. Uh, if you want to like really do this right, uh, you know, just cough up the cash a little bit, and maybe if you can find it at rental. At if, you, if you're if you living in, like, the three places in the world that still have video stores nearby. I will say it was, uh,
1: it was rented out at my uh, – the the best video store here in Portland, Movie Madness. It was uh, – the DVD and the Blu-ray were all their copies oh, were, wow. were, were gone. So, I mean, hey, people – some people are finding it, at least in this city. So that's good. Uh, yeah. But I'm with you, man. It's a good shout-out for, you know, hard media. Like, I didn't – I wouldn't have had any of that trouble if I was just watching it on my Blu-ray player. And,
2: and it has, like, three, four – Plus hours of like extra material and like so it's it's a it's a great great set for fans of the film and if you want to just watch it you know um the the original Blu-ray release has a decent transfer too so go for that as well but the uh you can go for that as well it's definitely gonna be better than any streaming uh but yeah the the shout the Screen Factory if you want to do this hundred percent right get that one it's a great set
1: and it's a great transfer cool so shit they
2: should pay me for it
1: (laughs) they should. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, now that we're giving commercials for ourselves, why don't we? Uh, why don't we wrap it up? What do you guys say? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. All right. Well, this has been uh, episode number fifty-seven of Over Under Movies. Uh, you know, we, again, we are part of the Playlist Podcast Network. Uh, other shows on that network include another one that I co-host with Joe Van Oppen, Adjust Your Tracking. There's Bingeworthy, our TV-related podcast, and we launched uh, the first episode of another one called Indie Beat. Uh, by Christopher Bell, who's like a longtime contributor from The, the Playlist, so excited to have him on as well. Um, you can find all that stuff on more of our Over Under episodes uh, at theplaylist.net. Um, Octay, where can people find us online for Over Under Movies? On on Facebook, right? Uh, on Facebook, facebook.com
2: slash Over Under Movies. Like us, comment us, um, comment uh, on our page and uh, at Twitter at Over Under Movies.
1: Excellent. So yeah, and before we sign off proper, I uh, will give at least half of an announcement for, for my picks on the next episode. Um, I'm still uh, mulling over my, my overrated pick to go along with uh, Robert Altman's McCabe and Mrs. Miller is going to be, will definitely be the underrated. And I think it's going to be, whatever movie I fall on, I think McCabe is going to be the center of the discussion because it's a movie I'm really fond of and haven't watched in a while. And I actually just got a copy of that uh, Criterion Blu-ray, which I've been dying to get my hands on on for that movie because the sound mix and the image quality on the Mm -hmm. DVD I'd seen a long time ago was not good. And uh, I missed a chance. No, it's not. It's not. It was not. I have so, that copy, and it's 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 kind of painful. It's so brutal, and especially with the way you it's know we'll get dark. into it. Yeah, it's dark yeah, image wise, and also we'll get into it with Altman's like sound stuff that he does. It just it's a mm-hmm. mess on that DVD. So can't wait to really uh, give a chance to to watch that that Criterion Blue, and uh, and, we'll and it doesn't in. have
2: fuck. And it doesn't have fucked up decapitations and peak buckets in it. So it's a, it's a plus for you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm lightening up my, my image uh, <laughs> on the podcast it'll be fun. I'm very excited to revisit that movie. So we'll just have to let you know what the uh, overrated pick is to go along with it when the time comes on the next episode. But for now, why don't we sign off? I'm Eric McClanahan, the podcast editor for the playlist.
0: I'm Ryan Oliver. I'm a contributor here at the playlist.net.
1: Hey, it's Octavia Kozak.
2: Uh, I'm a contributor and film critic for the playlist. Uh, Oregon Herald, DVD Talk and BayasParda dot com. Excellent. All right. Well we'll see you next time.